everyone. Welcome to episode 97 of the Lifting the Veil podcast with myself, your host, Adrienne Lopez, the Integrative Awareness Coach. Now, today's episode is a couple days late. It's been a, <laughs> it's been quite a ride as this, uh, this episode came out and then it wasn't ready. So I had to take a break and sit with it because there are some powerful energies that I wanted to speak to you about today um, in the most clear, precise and empowering way. And I was still in the process of or putting things in order um putting them in my own inner schema as these energies are bubbling up that I wanted to share with you when I started sharing with you earlier this week on Wednesday every Wednesday at 6 p.m pacific standard time I do like a half hour live um talk kind of like as an introduction for the topic of the week and the topics are simply related to uh, not only my personal journey, which I'm on of awakening and transformation, but also the people that I work with, the clients that I see and the themes that are showing up in their life. And of course, just the collective energies that are moving through because, you know, we live in the sea of consciousness and we are all connected um, at one level and we're processing um, at times similar themes in different ways, depending on the subtleties of our own life. Um, but when you start to <laughs> really <laughs> tune into the energies, um, right? It's it's a connection to consciousness itself. And so, in a way, this this is a energetic download that is wanting to be lived and expressed through me at this time. And so I am here sharing it with you, and um, I am calling this week's episode The Mother of Us All. And um, the themes around what that means for us in our spiritual, emotional, psychological evolution and growth as a collective, as, as well as our individual experience and what we're meeting in our day-to-day -day life. So the content here isn't meant to be any sort of, you know, um, advice as far as what you should or shouldn't do in your life. It's more just like a weather report of um, what I'm seeing in the energetic or um, field of cosmic energy. And so with that being said, this theme, the mother of us all, um, has come up in a couple ways in my life recently. Um, some of you may know, I don't know if I've mentioned it all that much, um, mostly because it's been a deeply personal experience, um, although I do share it with people who want to know more about it. But for the last year and a half, I've been in a um, practice group, let's say, of um, intuitives that are um, in the mystery school, for lack of a better word. Um, it is a, a practice, a curriculum, let's say, for um, accessing a wider expanse of perception. And so many of us have been conditioned to see the material world outside of us and, and believe that is the only level of reality. And those of us know from experience that emotions are very powerful. Um, babies, for example, who don't have access to language yet are pure energetic response to their environment. They also react clearly to the environment around them. If somebody's angry, they, they can feel it, they get upset, they cry. 
And so I'm talking about that level of energy, which is alive. It's everywhere, which our conscious mind has learned to repress, dismiss, discount. Also as an effect of, I'm, I was just looking for my journal because there's a quote I want to read you. Um, gosh, I don't know where I put it. I think it's right over here. So I'm going to grab it in just a sec, but um, I have a lot of quotes and I put them in different places and then I forget where I put them. Um, but uh, where was I? I was talking about, oh, the, the human mind, you know, we're, we are barraged with thousands of bits, millions of bits of information every moment of our lives. And our brain has to decide which is what is essential to this now moment. It can only, you know, what is that? The reticular um, activation system, something like that. And so what determines uh, what, how our brain determines what comes into consciousness is through habitual filters we've developed. And a lot of those habitual filters were a product of our survival. As children, they got put into place and they have been uh, building our context, our internal schema for how we see the world because that's the only information that our brain's allowing in. And so it's like a reinforce, it's a system that reinforces its own limitation in a way for the purpose of survival, which is beautiful, right? But you get to a certain time in your life and you're like, dude, I, there's gotta be more than this cyclical loop of stuckness, you know, like I'm ready to grow, I'm ready to step outside of that. And so this is the time in our lives where we have growth spurts. And so um, as we uh, continue in our evolution, our perception can shift and change and expand to include different realms of existence besides the one that our particular activation system is, is allowing us to have. And so that's how I was pulled into this um, school of um, clairvoyance, intuitive development and practice through uh, the Magdalena School. And um, and those of you that know me as well, don't worry, this is all going to come to a very important point, trust me. Those of you that know me as well also know that I have been a meditator and yogic practitioner for over 22 years. And this experience has allowed me to continue to develop and fine tune my awareness as well as my um, inner capabilities to hold, manage, um, interpret my inner experience with people in helpful ways that creates a sense of healing and order. Because a lot of us um, in our lives are so caught up in this outer world of imagery this projection, uh, we in yoga they call it Maya, the illusion of the illusion of reality, and really, the reason why it's called an illusion of reality is it's secondary. It's a product of our energetic interpretation and experience that then gets projected outside through what we allow into our perception and if we're under stress or we are um, in fight flight or freeze that lens begins to narrow and we only see a very small um, spectrum of what's really available so that's where my quote comes in so let me grab it i hope i can find it because i really 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 um came upon it this week and I was like, dang, that's, that's, um, that's, uh, that's a good one. Okay. All right, you guys, I found it. Thank you for your patience. Um, so the quote is by Edward Wilson, and I don't know who he is, but I should find out. He says, we sense fewer than one thousandth 
of 1% of the diversity of molecules and energy waves that are constantly sweeping around us and through us. The part perceived is just enough to safeguard our personal survival. And I wrote that quote, it looks like, on December the 26th, 2020. So that was the day after Christmas, uh, gosh, two years ago now, or yeah, three. That was right before I had left to go to, um, to India, right? No. No, that was a year earlier. Forgive me, my timeline was off. Anyhow, um, uh, here's another quote that I wrote down underneath it. Apparently at the time I was really interested into, into um, the idea of the five senses, which is discussed a lot in yoga. Um, and how we consume information through the, the five senses. So it says, eyes uh, respond to the photon, the light photon, a razor thin slice of the electromagnetic spectrum. And then I followed it up with this, elephants rumble. Elephants rumble is too low in frequency for our ears. So clearly, <laughs> um, I had created that collection of quotes as a way of explaining to myself, this was before I started my intuitive practice um, full-time, that uh, there are um, many layers of information and that if we could find a way to expand back into the fullness of our sensory perceptions, not just our ability to see with our physical eyes, but that sensory perception that is, for example, what they call clairsentience, which is the ability to feel. Many impasse and sensitives have this um, ability. They might not have distinguished it or known what it was, but, uh, it can be used as a superpower. But when you're not aware, like I think when I was growing up, I just assumed everyone was like that because that's the way I saw the world and it's just not that way as I uh, eventually discovered. And so how can I take this talent that I've been given and use it to not only support myself, but other people in their um, health, their wholeness, their evolution, their ability to be fully self-expressed and access their potential and bring their gifts to the world that they came to share with others. So I tell you all of this as a segue into the topic this week, which is the mother of us all. And um, some time ago, um, I guess it was the beginning of, it was the beginning of 2020. Um, it was December the 31st that I had gone to India. And then in February, I had gone to Guatemala uh, where I had done a month long sound healing residency and cacao ceremony um, leadership program, class, group, whatever you want to call it. And um, anyhow, there I was introduced into uh, a writer um, and sound healer named Lars, what's his name, Lars M Mule, I think that's his name. And um, I'm sorry, I'm bad at names. Um, anyhow, he has written several books about Christ consciousness and the light body um, and sound. And he wrote a beautiful song. I'll put the link into the description of this podcast. Yeah, Lars Mule, he's, he's Danish. He wrote a beautiful um, song, a tribute to Mary. And I'm not sure if he just, yeah, he does. Um, before he sings the song, um, 
he gives a little history on the etymology of the name Mary. Um, and there's so many Marys in the Bible. Um, Jesus had three main Marys. And so he talks about Mary being not necessarily a name, but a title. And that Mary is rooted in the, the word mar, or ocean. And um, so in a way, these Marys were the keepers of the ocean. And what does that mean to be a keeper of the, mo of the ocean? And so <sighs> I'm getting to it. Be patient with me. So um, keepers of the ocean. So um, as a sensitive and empath, this may be your experience as well. And if it is, I would love to hear from you about how it's shown up in your experience and where you're at in your journey, your spiritual journey and evolution. Anywho, um, so there, I, I mean, I didn't have the words for it when I was younger because I just didn't know it was available. And uh, all these years, right, that I've been living on this planet, I have been looking for the vocabulary. I've been looking for the construct to explain and make sense of my experience in a world uh, where the tools have not been available, let's say, readily available. They're out there. I found them in yoga. I found them in meditation. I found them in mystery schools. I found them in wisdom, wisdom traditions. And when you find something that resonates with your heart at a soul level, it's like medicine. It's like sob for your soul because it's recognition that your experience is actually valid and true and authentic, even if other people cannot recognize it. And this has been extremely uh, disempowering for me, as I know it has been for many others. And so this um, provides the setting and the backdrop for our lives. <laughs> and in my life has been a story of um, a search, a quest for the truth with the capital T, right? It's taken me many places. It's taken me around the world. It's taken me to um, every world religion. It's taken me to multiple, talking multiple um, practices of meditation and um, energy healing and um, alternative modes of um, clarity and information and truth. And what occurred to me recently this week and last week, I should say, it's been happening for a while now, that um, it's like our soul, our spirit, the fullness and beauty of who we are. And I'm speaking from a, a personal experience here just because it's the only place I can speak from that I was trying to plug in to the full, fullness of my humanity with the impartial map, with the incorrect map, with big parts of the map missing. And I kept trying to fit myself in something that didn't fit because it wasn't all there. And the part that was there wasn't necessarily in alignment with my life force, with felt, what felt like home to me, what felt like flow and safety and love. And then of course, this gets projected back on oneself, like, what's the matter with me? Why can't I just be happy? You know, why can't I just, you know, 
you know, have a job and a car <laughs> and <laughs> make a lot of money and, you know, um, all of these things that we're taught are fulfilling and will make us happy. Um, but, uh, you know, that wasn't my path uh, because it just didn't feel right. And I, and I'm like, I'm not going to do something that doesn't feel right. I don't know what, I, don't, I didn't know at the time, like, I don't know what doesn't feel right, but it just seems off. And so I thought it was me. I thought I was off, right? And so um, this development of self in a system that does not provide uh, the complete maps of the structure of self, and when I say that, it's like, self is a system and for most of us our self system has been fragmented and disconnected that means our conscious mind the one ruled by our survival is disconnected from our other realms of knowing because it, it can't see itself until it does Right. And that's one thing that meditation really helped me become aware of. And so I started meditating in a really stressful time in my life. I've shared this story before. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to pull this one off. I am going to need some help here. And I just happened to be walking down the street one day and I saw the sign said free meditation classes. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I went in and it saved my life. Um, and that was when I was first introduced to the sea within. I didn't call it the sea within because I didn't know what it was. And it was a little bit scary. And it was a little bit confronting. And it was a little bit overwhelming. But all the people there were sitting with it. They had the courage and they had the faith to show up and say, I don't know what this is that I'm sitting with, but it's much bigger than I am. And it is awe inspiring. And you catch little glimpses of it through the mental process. And when you do, you get to rest on it. And it's the kind of rest <laughs> that a soul longs for. At least mine did. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it. Because I was, <clears throat> I was so stressed at the time. And I was so backed up against the wall. Like, I didn't know how I was going to move forward in my life. And this has been a regular theme with me. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the foresight. I, there was, you know, and that's crazy for the mind. The mind has to know everything. But for the next step of my evolution, I had to jump off into the abyss of uncertainty, like we all do if we're going to grow. And it was just so happened that meditation was there to catch me. And when it did, <laughs> um, I began to see a whole different perspective of not only myself, but the world. And at that time in my life, I didn't know what it meant yet. I just was dipping my toe in and I knew that it felt good and I knew that it felt delicious. And I knew that it was regenerative and supportive and yummy. And that it was food for my soul. And so I continued, <laughs> continued to meditate sometimes um, religiously, like every day for an hour a day, sometimes once a week, you know, depending on my schedule. Um, it's funny because it's like when, when you're most stressed out, you most need to meditate. You have least time for it. That's the time we need it. It would help us most and create more time and space in our lives. So, um, it's, that was, oh gosh, um, 23 years ago. 
and I have come back to that moment in time to catch up with myself. And uh, I keep, I, I've been seeing that that symbol, right? That it's called the uh, Ouroboros, I believe, Ouroboros, the sign of the snake eating its own tail. And I had been writing at that time um, my master's thesis on the construction of self. And I had to do it at that time. <laughs> what was available to me was the lens of philosophy. And I had found the most palatable form for myself, which was psychoanalysis. Um, and um, postmodern deconstructionalism. That's a mouthful for you. Um, anyhow, so, um, well, the, I won't go into the philosophical realm of it, but um, while I was doing this, I, you know, there was one philosopher, well, actually several feminine philosophers that were re speaking of the, in the tradition, in the tradition of um, psychoanalysis, starting with Freud, um, taking his principles and of course developing them because as many of you know, much of what Freud wrote, wrote about wasn't necessarily um, objective, let's say. Um, so, but the idea that we have a space before language that philosophy never recognized and that's the pre-Oedipal or what they, referred to as the oceanic state of the womb that is not separate. Like we haven't created our identity yet. We haven't entered language yet when we first are born. And that's that oceanic oneness that where allows us to connect with our physical mothers. And that helps our mother bond with us because when you see a brand new baby, it is fresh from that realm, which is unconditional love and pure innocence. And that pure innocence is reflected in her eyes and she remembers that that's her nature. Through the ego shield, she receives the waves of remembrance and that's what allows her the tenderness and the sweetness to be able to take care and to nurture child and unfortunately because of this ego personality and this mask that we have um, had to develop to develop that we develop out in the world that many of us misidentify as the fullness of who we are um, doesn't always make us real available to that fields in which we all come from, which is this oceanic field of consciousness, which is the vibrational equivalent to unconditional love and innocence. And hence the title of this week's podcast, The Mother of Us All. And so the Marys were the keepers of this knowledge. They were the keepers of the ocean of this state of being that allowed the Christ consciousness to enter the body. And it was the balance between that feminine and masculine um, construction, however you want to call it, right? It's shown up in a lot of different ways, yang, yang, um, right brain, left brain. Idala, Ida and Pingala, you know, in the yogic tradition. But that is the definition of health and homeostasis as well, right? In order to have both of those energies, regardless of our gender, in balance, that we can access the mother of our not only physical body, but our soul. And um, what happens when we lose access to that oceanic state? The ego is hungry 
for what it knows and gets pushed down into the unconscious. And there are moments where we can access that in meditation, prayer, chanting, ritual, right? That's what church was for. But the church um, is not available any longer to many people because of um, what happened to the keepers of the ocean that got appropriated. No longer to remind people of their true nature, but actually to put it outside of them in a church, in a figure, in an institution. And so if I give up my power, if I put my power outside of me, um, I am no longer have access to divine source, divine life energy, which is by definition, creator energy, which is God. And so um, this has resulted in a in generational um, trauma, disconnect, dysfunction. Because if I don't have access to what I need to live, and I'm not talking about my biological need for food and shelter and water, yes, of course, all of that. But if I'm not deeply rooted to my energetic and spiritual connection, to the womb of creation, to the earth um, in which I live on, I'm going to try to go outside and get that power that I need through consumption. I'm going to try to consume my way to fulfillment. I'm going to try to own my way into feeling happy. I'm going to try to buy my happiness with my new Gucci purse or whatever. Nothing's the matter with a Gucci purse, by the way. Um, but when it becomes the fix for what's deeply missing in a person's soul, it becomes counterfeit to what's really available. And this is what um, revealed itself to me about what's happening right now on this planet. And so I'm going to share it with you. And I invite you to put it through your own filter, right? Just because I'm saying it doesn't mean that it's accurate. Um, but it's, it's just the way that I download information and how it shows up in my psyche. And I'm offering it for whatever it's worth. If you find some insight or some validation or some clarity on your own path, then my job's done here. So I, um, I have been doing this, this work and landing my, my energetic body back into my physical body. And, um, it's been a process hasn't happened overnight, but it's been happening. It's, it's happening right now. And, but the world energy shifted that is allowing it to happen more and more and more. And it just so happens, you know, I, I'm a lover of astrology. I've studied astrology since I was like 16. I, I love it. I love it. I think it's fascinating. I've always had an attraction to, to the stars. Um, and how they are a reflection in consciousness, like the waters of consciousness, the macro and the micro, and you get it. So I always saw these planets and conjunctions as energies of the psyche. And at Being Good Humans, we project our experience out into the universe, including astrology. And I don't believe that astrology would still be available today if there wasn't some innate truth, right? It wouldn't have lasted so many thousands and thousands of years if there wasn't a kernel of truth there. I know there's a lot of naysayers that say, oh, you know, but um, systems of knowledge uh, continue through time because they have value for people. And so I just wanted to clarify that right away um, for those of you that may have um, poo-pooed this idea, just when I mentioned the word astrology. 
So um, this alignment that we're having right now today on January the 21st, 2023, we have the moon, the feminine, and the sun, masculine, both at one degree Aquarius, like at the gateway, um, the beginning of the sign of the age of Aquarius, which we are have been entering, but this is the official entry into it. Can't get any clearer than that. As we have Pluto, the destroyer, at the last degrees. Right? Capricorn is right before Aquarius. So we're leaving the Capricornian stage of our development. The Pluto being the destroyer, Hades, uh, underworld. Coming out of Capricorn, which is related to the goat, uh, materialism, the devil, for example, and the, the Maya, let's say, in which the Hindus um, called the illusion because it's secondary or an effect of the energetic realm of us as creator and our whole process of our brain and how it processes information through the particular activation system, which allows us to be co-creators. Our mental context, what we believe is available, co-creates our experience at the same time and they're not separate, right? They're like a mirror. And we get this um, not only from quantum physics, but also through neuros <laughs> neuroscience, sorry, I just heard somebody laughing, um, of the, the mirror, the mirror neurons. Uh, for example, when a mother is looking at her baby, that information is being transmitted, not through language, but through the medium of energy and it's being reflected back. Bioenergetic Mimi cry, let's say. And that's how we learn uh, most of what we learn the first two years of our lives before we have language. And so those emotional imprints are the foundation of our um, particular activation system. That's just like the foundation. And then we begin to build and build and build on that. Um, and that starts shaping how we're taught to see the world based on the people around us and how they see the world. Um, not necessarily as it is, but based on that familial um, design of survival and power structures and needs and um, all of the unconscious survival um, drives that we have. So um, as we leave that material realm that Pluto has been in since 2008, when we had the real estate, right? The financial crisis. And now it's on its way out and it's just been clearing the slate, right? So much so coming out of that pandemic realm where even our physical body had to be isolated and removed from other physical bodies, like at a material level. In order for these systems to not only reveal themselves, but to start breaking down and I'm not going to go into that whole story right now. You could write a book on it, right? I'm not going to do that. But we have, we have this heralding in of the new age. Um, and at that time, we also have Jupiter, the king of planets, right next to his wife, Juno, the asteroid in Aries and Aries rules the self, the construction of self. 
how we have been allowed to not only imagine what a self is, how it functions in the world, the levels of freedom, the levels of everything, right? Our whole existence has been dependent on the idea of a self and the rights, for example, in the United States of America that were, um, that were uh, created at the moment our country was created that we would have unalienable rights. Of course, what was really happening was there was a certain group of people, white land male own, male landowners that were being described as a legal entity called self that was granted a certain series of rights. Now through the two over 200 years, there's been expansions but the self is is no longer tenable. It's no longer viable because it's not allowing us all people, right? We the people. That's the sign of the. <laughs> that's the motto of Aquarius. We the people, which is expressed in the individual self, which is happening in Aries right now. Next to Chiron, the wounded healer the wounded self that can't function because it doesn't have all of its parts. And this is like this immune system, the vitality, that natural expression of our humanity that has been restrained and restricted and not allowed to fully come online in the old medium where power is outside of us in a God, in an institution, in our government. And now that power is coming home to the people because Aquarius is the water bearer, right? That's the sign of the urn being poured out to the people. And it's not water that's being poured out. Poured out. <laughs> it's energy. And it's not just any kind of energy. It's the mother of us all energy. It is pure creative soul energy that the human self has been trying to live inside of without, like we didn't have it. We had to go to a church. We had to go to a governmental agency um, to get authorized in our, in our, to give us our power because we didn't have it. We had to have a job. We had to have money and I'm not saying that we don't have to have a job now or money, but we're in the process of shifting the whole center of gravity for the self itself based on what's happening in the sky. And really what that astrology is doing is just validating what you might already feel in your body. <laughs> what I, what I'm already feeling in my body. In fact, when I looked at the chart, I was like, hell, how did they know? How did they know that that's what's happening right now? How did this guy know? And so these are the things, right? The keepers of the ocean are the, um, astrologically, the maiden with the urn. And she's here to serve the people not some people, but the human nature. And so um, this return to Aries, which I was speaking about, which is the self, and having that self be defined by that internal source of power which is available in all of us. And I'll give you one short example before I let you go, because this is getting a little bit longer than I planned. So um, as a yoga practitioner and a lover of yoga and all the poses that were created by rishis and yogis thousands and thousands of years ago were meant to help prepare the body 
for that energy to be housed in the physical body. And those series of asanas or postures were created to help um, break up the patterns of the false self in order to make room for the energy to come back into the body, this oceanic energy. And you can see this through, for example, uh, the breathing practices, because breath is a life. You can't breathe in the past and you can't breathe in the future. You can only breathe at this moment right now. And that's the only time that's ever actually available. So one of the breathing practices, one of the many breathing practices is called Ujjaya breath. And it is um, also referred to as the breath of the ocean because you can hear your breath coming out like the ocean. And the other day when I was practicing my Ujjaya breath, for the first time ever, the importance and the significance of this breath arrived in my body. After 20 years, 23 years of doing yoga. And it, that was miraculous. And the ocean is in the breath. The ocean is in your chest. It is pure source inside of you. And if you are rooted to that source internally, there's nothing outside of you that you need because that breath is creative energy itself. It is the breath of life. It is source. It is God in you. And um, just to field any blasphemous comments, I'm not saying you're God. I'm saying God is expressed through each and every one of us equally, if we're open and available. And in this way, the Marys, the keepers of the ocean, were a keeper of a vibration of being in the fullness of who we are, our birthright, which is returning to the planet right now. It's a monumentous occasion, a historical event. And it hasn't been, it's always been on the planet. It's not like it left, but it got hidden and it, and it got put in corners of the earth in mystery schools and wisdom traditions. It was hidden in nature in art and poetry and music and dance in religious, religious iconography. It's always been there, but it's now being able to return to our awareness consciously and on purpose to meet the unconscious and the conscious, the masculine and the feminine. They're coming back together. And when they come back together, that creates the Christ child. We have the Trinity internally within us. And we then become our own power source, fully empowered. And that medicine begins to wash away all of the false imprints, all of the programming, all of the hurt, the wounding, the misinformation, the misidentification of self, the addiction, the codependency, the suffering. And so this is really a celebration of liberation. And the waters are beginning to flow into the parched land. And 
we see this with today's also the Chinese New Year. It happens at the first new moon of the year. And we have the year of the water rabbit, right? So we have this water coming in. Same with the water bearer. It's the waters of cosmic consciousness, which is where we all come from and where we all go to because there's only that. And then we have the rabbit, right? Which is also a sign of the feminine, this eternal regenerative energy that's related to spring and nature when it all starts popping and life renews itself. This is also the symbol repeated of regeneration, the rising phoenix, resurrection, la 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 la, right? We could go on and on with this symbology. But that's what came up for me this for me to share with you this week. So I hope that you found something of value for yourself today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for stopping by. If you did find something valuable or meaningful, leave a comment. Please share. Um, leave an emoji. I have a goal this year to um, reach a, a listenership of 10K for 2023. So I appreciate your support any way you can. Listen, share, comment, any of that. And if you'd like to find out more about the work that I do, I'm going to invite you to check out my website at www.mindheart-space.com. I will also put that link into the description of this podcast so you can access it there. Everyone is welcome to book a free 20-minute consultation with me where I might help support you on uncovering your own magnificence in ways that you're committed to for 2023. All right, my dears, good seeing you all. Until next time, please remember what a valuable treasure you are and bye for now.